before, before you're seated, before you're seated, first, again, I am, I was speaking with my wife, and it's, I mean, yeah, that's my baby, and I was 11 years old when I met her, and, and she, she was, she was 14, and, and, and she, it was, it, after a church service in an Assembly of God church, and she took, true story, you could ask, you could text her right now, or tweet, or do whatever, getting a, and she took my hair and she messed it up. And she said, you're a cute little kid. And she said, but I, she said, one day I may end up married with you. And she did. But I was telling my wife last night, I was saying, honey, you know, God has by his grace enabled me to go around the world and just speak and just to talk. Honey, I just... I'm in one of the, this very may well be, this is one of the most unbelievable, atmosphere-shifting, world-changing churches I have ever engaged with. So I honor you, Pastor Ab, Pastor Noreta. Les saludo, envío un abrazo. Les quiero mucho. Que unción ustedes cargan. Pero algo poderosísimo, de veras. You're beautiful, you're anointed, you're authentic, you're real, you're full of integrity. Help me honor and recognize the mantle and the gift. Your entire family, your children, unbelievable. Man, and, and I'm, I'm going to get into the word, just listen. But I have to do this because it's just so real. So I'm here seated. I don't even know if be politically correct. Because, you know, we, we travel a lot, and, and there's a lot on the body, and you do want to rest and recuperate. So when we do conferences, not every speaker comes to every session and so forth. Not because you don't want to, but because you really can't, or you really want to just, you know. But when, when Pastor Rick is in the house, That's just God-ordained wisdom on steroids right there. Without a doubt, that's one of God's generals. Indeed. I would sit and listen to you for hours, my friend. Thank you for your wisdom. You are brilliant. You're beautiful. You're anointed. You're wise. You've been through the journey, and yet you're still standing. I want to be like you when I grow up. The hair and all, by the way. I mean, I love you and honor you. I want to get right into this. Let's begin. I want to preface with this. I want to remind you. Well, there is. Are there any questions? Great. The, because I need you to. I'm, I'm going to illustrate this. I'm, I was a teacher, and I need to. I do visuals just for you to have the concept. But I, I need you to understand something that when when there is a word. That is Christ-centered and it's biblically based, of course. That is that is completely out of the womb of biblical orthodoxy, biblical truth, but but affirmed with the Spirit of God through the Spirit of God. It behooves us to embrace it. I say that only to say that to a great degree, I am here because of a word of that. I grew up in an, in an evangelical Pentecostal church in America. And, but I, my parents are not preachers, but I grew up as an, evan, an evangelical agnostic, which means I doubted everything. And I'm a math 
I'm a math nerd. I love math. Math is the language of God. Indeed, indeed. I was going to make a really bad sacrilegious joke, but I won't. If, if math is the language of God, then calculus is, oh, but it's not like speaking it. But anyway, you know what I mean. It's just, but math is like, so I grew up doubting lots until I had an authentic encounter with the power and presence of God that shifted my destiny. So this word, it's, you're gonna, this is for someone here today. I want you to open up your Bible quickly. John chapter 5. We're going to illustrate this in a second. Matthew Carlos, come on down. Help me illustrate. This is my new friend, Carlos. Orale, Carlos. Right there, mijo. He's my Latino brother from South Africa. John chapter 5. You may lay down and chill for a while. John chapter 5. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porch waiting for a certain movement of the water. Now, I'm going to read verse 4. It's been disputed uh, in certain quarters. It doesn't speak to the meta-narrative, so I'm going to include it because it doesn't dilute or enrich at all. But for an angel of the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the water. And the first person to step in after the water was stirred would be healed of whatever disease he or she had. One of the men lying there, verse 5, had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have no one, watch this, to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told them, stand up, pick up your mat, start walking. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But here's the clincher. Here it is. But, but, and Pastor Rick alluded to this conjunction yesterday, but, but, and, and in every single Greek exegete of the scripture, you'll find it, but, this miracle happened on the Sabbath, but it happened on the Sabbath. I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, but it happened on the Sabbath. When God makes it happen when it's not supposed to happen. I'll say that one more time. But it happened on the Sabbath when God makes it happen when it's not supposed to happen. And the subtext would be, I am next. Touch your neighbor, the one you like, and tell him, I am next. Touch your other neighbor, the one you barely tolerate, and tell him, I am next. Find somebody behind you and tell him, I am next. Tell somebody two seats away from you and tell him, I am next. Find somebody seven rows behind you and tell him, I am next. Tell him, I am next. What a powerful visual. We have a man who is just literally on the edge of his healing and miracle. Every so often, divine construct, a heavenly construct, an angel would come down, stir up the waters, and whatever person would step into the water, when the water would be bubbling up, that person would receive the corresponding healing or miracle. This man, 38 years paralyzed, now with being faithful to scripture, we're not privy to how long he was there next to the pool of Bethesda. 
We're privy to how long he was sick or ill, paralyzed or lame. So we know he was lacking mobility, lame or paralysis, paralysis. And we know he was right next to his miracle. And every single time he thought it was his turn, he said that someone else would get there ahead of him. He was this far, this, 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 close and yet so far. And many of us are this close and yet so far. And there's a reason for this. He explicitly, there's no need to interject any sort of hyperbole. He's explicit. He explains why in verse 7. He missed his turn. He says, for there's no one to put me into the pool. It's an issue of dependency. He depended on others for his breakthrough. He depended on others for his healing. He depended on others for his miracle. When you depend on others more than you depend on God, you will never see the fullness of what God has purposed for your life. When you depend on others more than you depend on God, perpetual paralysis will define you. It's a matter of dependency. What are you depending on? We depend on others to make us happy. We depend on others to make us complete. We depend on others. So we depend on government, media, and culture to teach our children what is right and what is wrong. It's time for a shift. I said it's time for a shift. It's time for a shift. Because your destiny cannot be in someone else's hand. And your future cannot be in someone else's hand. And your family cannot be in someone else's hand. And your joy cannot be in someone else's hand. And your faith cannot be in someone else's hand. Your salvation cannot be in someone else's hand. Your family, your faith, your future, your destiny must be in the hands of the one who said in John 10, 28, no one can snatch them away from my hand it's a matter of dependency Psalm 62 verse 5 New Living Translation says I depend on God alone please touch your neighbor and tell him from this moment on I will depend in the one that never fails now 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 Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porch waiting for a movement of the water. The condition is paralysis. We have all suffered from paralysis. Not physical, maybe, but spiritual, definitely. Emotional, financial, relational. No action, no mobility, no movement. That's paralysis. We have all been paralyzed. We have all suffered or confronted the reality of paralysis. Paralyzed integrity, paralyzed faith, paralyzed dreams, paralyzed destiny, paralyzed family members, paralyzed ministries, paralyzed visions. What paralyzes us? We are paralyzed by sin. Sin paralyzes humanity. Paralyzed by failure, by fear, by the past, by shame, by religious condemnation, by self-pity, a victimization mentality, erroneous thoughts, abuse, broken relationships, paralyzed by unforgiveness and unbelief. We have all been paralyzed. Some of us are paralyzed within this generation by this constant need to be validated and affirmed. Like, 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 like
And we're defined by the number of likes, like, 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 like. I said it before, but I'll say it again. We are not defined by the likes of many. We are defined by the love of one. <laughs> Paralyzed by fear. Fear of windows of what we see in the outside world. Or fear of mirrors of what we see within ourselves. Paralyzed. Paralyzed at a corporate macro level. We stand privy to the fact that there's a generation around the world paralyzed by moral relativism and cultural decadence and spiritual apathy and ecclesiastical lukewarmness. Paralyzed by spiritual apathy and violence and corruption and darkness and hatred and bigotry, intolerance, perversion and death. Paralyzed. Paralyzed. I'm asked in America in light of by the grace of God what we do and the people we have access to. And they asked Reverend Rodriguez in recent interviews, so America is paralyzed, what's the answer? And they were looking for a political response from me. And I said, in America, we have two major political parties, Republicans and Democrats. The Republicans are represented by an elephant, the Democrats by a donkey. So, they are, they really are. I'm not, I'm, I am not making that up, it's true, it's just, it's true. And they asked, so what's, what's needed to break the paralysis? And here's, you want to hear my response? I said, the answer to, I would say not only America, but South Africa, the world. The answer to today's paralysis, and I said this, we don't need more donkey followers or elephant followers. We need more followers of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and the Lion of the tribe of Judah. My response was this, and it was quoted somewhere. My, we don't need more Republicans or Democrats. We need more Christ-centered, Bible-based, spirit-empowered, devil-rebuking, demon-binding. We need more children of God. The answer to paralysis culturally, corporately, is the church. A holy church, a healed church, a healthy church. It's the church of Jesus. Jesus comes along. The man is paralyzed. He's lame. 38 years, right next to his breakthrough that he never experiences because he has an issue with dependency. And he comes along, and Jesus makes him next. The presence of God ends generational paralysis. Watch this. He stated, I'll repeat, someone else gets there ahead of me. The presence of God. Jesus shows up. Every single time he believed it was his turn, he, it, it failed. Someone else got ahead of him. If someone else, he, Jesus comes up, boom, makes him next. I'm here to tell you, when there is an authentic encounter with the presence of Jesus, when you have an authentic encounter with the vicarious, atoning, grace-filled work of Christ, I don't care how many times you missed your turn in the past. And if you've ever missed at least one turn, there was a moment that you missed it, raise one hand. If you've missed a couple of turns, raise both hands. You know where I'm going with this. If you've missed a bunch of turns, raise both hands and a foot. If you, if you miss so many turns, raise both hands and both feet. Well, I have news for you. When Jesus shows up and you embrace the fullness of Jesus, you are next. I need you to tell your neighbor, I am next. No, I don't care what you've been through. I need you to tell your neighbor, I am next. I don't care how many times you miss your turn. Tell somebody, I am next. I am next. 
So if you've missed your turn, if you've been waiting for your turn, praying for your turn, fasting for your turn, if you've been through hell for your turn, if you fought off devils, demons, principalities, powers of darkness, people. If you even rebuked yourself for your turn, I have news for you. You are. Isaiah 1427 says, what God has purpose, who can stop it? Isaiah 6022 says, at the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Isaiah 46, 13, I am ready to set things right. Not in the future, but I'm going to do it right now. That's not prophetic hyperbole for the purpose of exciting through the other conduit of emotional exuberance, your affective domain. I don't even know what that meant. When Jesus shows up, Regardless of how many times you missed it, you become next. When you embrace the fullness of Jesus, the saving grace of Christ, the truth of Christ, the freedom of Christ, the love and the mercy of Christ, you are next. I need you to put a switch. So I don't care how many times you missed it. How many because you thought it was about you and it's not about you, it's about him. And it's about It's about him. You're not, it's about him. Even Jesus looks, do you want what I have for you, he asked him. Do you want what I have for you? He says, I can't. Wrong answer. I didn't ask you if you could. If you could, you wouldn't be here in the first place. It's not about what you can do. It's about what I already. Look at your neighbor, tell him I am next. I dare you to look at your neighbor and tell them, I am next. Tell them, I am next to see my family saved. I am next to reap a harvest. I am next to partake of an awakening in my nation. Somebody shout, I am next. If you are next, I want you to praise like you're next, dance like you're next, shout like you're next, rejoice like you're next, worship like you're next. Make a joyful noise like your next. You are next to become a blessing. Y'all didn't hear that. I say you are next to become a blessing. Y'all didn't hear Pastor Rick's message. You are next to become a blessing. You are next to emerge as the answer to someone else's prayer. Somebody shout, I'm next. Really, high five your neighbor, tell them, I'm next. Tell them, believe it or not, I'm next. I'm next. I am next. My family is next. We are next. And Jesus, the presence of God makes you next. So if you're taking any notes, one, the presence of God ends generational paralysis. Two, the presence, an authentic encounter with the presence of Jesus makes you next. Number three, and this is important. Oh. The presence of God changes you in front of your circumstances. Y'all didn't get that. What, a, what an interaction. Look at the query and look at the response. Do you want, this is the Greek now, the exegete on the phrase, do you want to get well? Do you want what I have for you? He says, I can't. Which is basically, 
hey, sunshine, it's just yes or no. It doesn't really matter if you can't. Because it's, we flip it. It's not, this is whole idea. It's what I, what I reference as this sort of narcissistic selfie thing that it's all about us. It's not about your ability. It's about my anointing. It's not about your potential. It's about my power in you, with you, and through you. Are you with me right now? So, and, and, and the, so he gives that inner. It, I, I, wait a second. The angels, the angel would come down and stir up the water. So that is a heavenly construct, not a human construct, and not a diabolical construct, but it was an angel. So from a hypothetical standpoint, we had some options here. Jesus could have said, aha, I am here, I am Jesus. And I know you've missed your turn, sunshine. My, these angels work for me. So I'm going to command them right now to come down and stir it up. Whether or not it's the right time, they're going to stir it up and make it the right time. Because I can do that. So angel, come down. But he didn't. Jesus could have said, forget the angel. I have some experience with water. <laughs> Ask all the people that were thirsty in that wedding party. <laughs> I can do things with water. So let me go and just tiny bubble. But he didn't. He could have said, I am Jesus. My, I will, my, so you've been waiting for somebody to take you. Well, I got this. <laughs> Boom. But he didn't. There was already a construct in place that was heavenly. But it was limited to some. It was conditional. And it only granted access to those that were fortunate enough to be right next to it. That's the law versus grace. So there was already a construct, but Jesus comes along and upgrades everything to say, this can't just be for one when the thing bubbles up. If you encounter me, I don't care what sort of paralysis you have in your life. If you embrace me, I will bring an end to the paralysis of your soul and of your spirit and of your destiny. Are you with me right now? Which means God doesn't want to change the circumstances around you. He wants to change you in the midst of your circumstances, in the face of your circumstances. He's not limited just to changing the external. He wants to move in you, with you, and through you. He wants to change you. Tell your neighbor I am next. And then comes the quintessential command. I love this. Here it comes. By the way, I, just raise your right hand. Repeat after me. For someone. If you don't have to, don't worry. Yes, it's okay. Repeat after me. What God's about to do next in my life will break the rules of expectations, the norms of conformity, and bypass the usual. You have no idea what you just said. 
You just said, God's about to do a new thing his way in my life, with my life, through my life. You just said, what God's about to do with me is going to surprise me, surprise my family, surprise my friends, surprise my enemies, surprise my city, surprise my nation, surprise the world. What God, behold. For I am about to do something new. I have already begun. I say a 4319. All right. Are there any questions? The presence of Jesus, of God, empowers you to do what you could not do before. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Jesus told them. This is crazy. I, and I love this because, again, it's just, I'm a Baptocostal, which means I'm word and spirit. And, and, but you, you have to be committed to biblical truth. You, you can't add things that are not there. And it has to be the, just the word. It, but it's just, just, there's nothing in scripture that, that says Jesus took the man and said, stand up. There's nothing that says, all right, baby, come on, let's do this, let's do this, come on. Sit. Jesus looked at him and, and he said, he looked at him. After he told him, by the way, I can't. I am grateful to, for every single occasion that God ignored silly stuff that came out of my mouth. No doubt. Notice how Jesus didn't even address the whole, do you want to get well? I can't. And Jesus is my like. Like, stand up anyway. And Jesus looks at him and says, stand up. Stand up is not just any other phrase. Stand up is the most counterintuitive phrase that can come out of Jesus as it pertains to this man's circumstances. He is paralyzed, he's lame. For 30, Jesus comes along and tells him to do what he could not do before. He tells him to stand up. Just when you have an when there's a real, authentic, measurable encounter with Jesus, he will always empower you to do what you could not do before. Oh man. An encounter with Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit will always empower you to do what you could not do before. One moment you could not walk, the next moment you are walking. When Jesus shows up, he immediately empowers you to do what you could not do before. So we're going to do something right now. We're just going to act on this. It's simple. It's an illustration. But, but there's, there's a prophetic impetus behind this. I believe it's time for the church to stand up. And I believe it's time for the followers of Christ, the manifest sons of God, to stand up. And I've been, we, I mean, we've been too complacent and too quiet and too comfortable. And, and we've, we've been busy with so many, the minutia of the bureaucracy of the religious paradigm. While in the meantime, you know, all, everything is going to the proverbial hell in a handbasket. When we are called to be light in the world. And we're called to rise up. So I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell Carlos. When Carlos, I like to count. When I count to three, I want you to stand up. But when you stand up, you are symbolic of an entire generation that will no longer be paralyzed. I am believing that when you stand up, any person here who has suffered from spiritual, emotional, financial, relational, their integrity, their faith, whoever's ministry, there are gifts in here that have been paralyzed. There, there, there are gifts and mantles that have been paralyzed by the list I gave you, sin and insecurity and shame and religious constructs and condemnation because, because paralyzed by pride. When you stand up, I am believing because it's not just belief. Again, I'm here because of this. 
I have people fasting and praying right now as I speak. We came in agreement. I am believing that today when you stand up, every vestige of paralysis will be gone. Not for a day, but forevermore. What does that mean? Your family will never be paralyzed again. Your faith will never be paralyzed again. Your dream will never be paralyzed again. Your destiny will never be paralyzed again. My, 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 my. Are you ready? Are you ready? One, two. There's a church that's about to stand up. It, here it is. You were about to see what you could not see before. You were about to accomplish for him what you could not accomplish before. You were about to occupy the very area hell has fought to keep you out of. You were about to conquer what you could not conquer before. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? In the name of Jesus, your faith, your integrity, your pursuit of righteousness, your commitment to be a blessing, your ministry, your calling, your gift, your destiny. One, two, three, stand up. Stand up. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Your season of paralysis is over. Your season of paralysis is over. Let me say it again. Your season of paralysis is over. It is over. It is over. It is over. Raise both hands. Your commitment, your faith, your walk, your dream and your destiny, your faith and your future, your integrity will never be paralyzed again. Your season of being stuck came to an end right here, right now, in the name of Jesus. If this is you, raise your hand. If you really believe this is for you, raise both hands. What if the church stands up? What if the manifest sons and daughters of God finally stand up? Paralyzed by religious condemnation. Paralyzed by cultural marginalization. By societal rejection. Paralyzed by self-pity. And again, I would argue... Above all things, paralyzed by pride. When we think it's us. When it's not us. You're not defined by what you do for God. You're defined by what God already did for you. If you believe... That that paralysis season is over forevermore, raise one hand. If you believe that your pain will be... <laughs> Somebody here has been paralyzed by pain. 
Well, from this moment on, you will be propelled by praise in the name of Jesus and the fullness of God's work in your life. Here it is. He stood up. And I'm just going to say this right now. Your faith will never be paralyzed again. Your family will never be paralyzed again. Your favor will never be paralyzed again. Your children and your children's children and your children's 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 children will not be paralyzed. They will fulfill their God-ordained, God-destined destiny. Stand up. Stand up. All right. Are you ready? Ezekiel 2.1 says, stand up and I will speak to you. Acts 2.14 says that Peter stood up, raised his voice, and God spoke through him. When you stand up, not only will God speak to you, and it's a metaphor, you understand that. God speaks to you when you leave that posture of paralysis. And then God will speak through you. Stop. All right, stand with, you are standing. The presence of God will always empower you to do what you could not do before. And I'm believing that the church is empowered. We are about to do what we could not. We are about to see what we. We are about to occupy. We are about to conquer. You think I'm kidding. Oh, watch this. It, it could finish there, but it doesn't. The presence of God enables you to bring things to closure. Let me explain. Watch this. I'm just going scripture here. He tells him, stand up. And then he says, pick up your mat. Now, this is my favorite. It's not even the stand-up part. It's this part. Pick up your mat. Why is this critical? If he would have left that mat behind, there would have been an expectation that one day he would go back to that place and that position. You're not hearing that. Every time you pick up your mat, you know what you're saying? I don't live there anymore. I don't live there anymore. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that life anymore. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. <sighs> Tell your neighbor, neighbor, pick up your mat. Tell them like you believe it. Tell them, pick up your mat. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. Say, I don't live in sin anymore. I don't live in failure anymore. I don't live in condemnation anymore. I don't live in defeat anymore. I don't live in abuse anymore. The blood of Jesus says, I don't live there anymore. The word of God says, I don't live there anymore. The spirit of God says, I don't live there anymore. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells me. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. When you pick up your mat, <laughs> pick it up. You have to pick it up. Every time you pick it up, you know what you're saying? Stop, stop, if you leave the mat behind, stop whining about the hell you've been through, man. Pick up your mat. In other words, stop saying, look what the devil did and start shouting, look what the Lord has done. Pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. Look at your neighbor and tell him, pick up your mat. 
Pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. And he tells them, start walking. Now y'all didn't get that. Start walking. Start walking. Start walking. Start walking, start walking, start walking, start walking, start walking, start walking. We walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. You walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, Galatians 5, 16. You walk, now, now look up, look up, look up here. If you've been to the mall recently, raise one hand. Some of you have been there a lot more than... The malls in America, and here likewise, the malls we just went to, when you approach the doors of the mall, there's no need to turn a knob... No need. Because the moment you walk up to a certain place, the doors automatically open. I'm done. You're not getting that right now. You need to start walking. You need to start walking. The moment you walk in righteousness, the doors will open up in your favor. The You, you've been waiting for a suddenly when there's a suddenly waiting for you. It's about you walking, pursuing righteousness. You walking in integrity. You walking by faith and not by sight. You walking with the commitment to reveal the fullness of the work of Christ in you, with you, and through you to everyone you meet. You walking to become the blessing and the answer to someone else's prayer. You walking. All right, we're done. Are there any questions? True story. He comes up. The Pharisees, the religious class, get to him. You got you to visualize this. And they see him. I'm from California. I'm going to use California nomenclatures and descriptors. Dude, that's California. He says, what are you doing? He, you're carrying the mat on the Sabbath. By the way, this guy's been 38 years. They could have said, But they didn't. They focused on the mat. Because religious people always get upset when God uses those they have deemed unqualified. I'll say that one more time. Religious people always get upset when God uses those they have deemed unqualified. And I'm done, I'm done. There's a car, breathe real quick. Watch this. Watch this. They ask him, read it. I'm making it up. Who gives you the right to carry that? One of the greatest responses in all of scripture is right here. Right here. He looks at him and says, Who, who gives me the right? The one who healed me gives me the rights. You're not hearing that. Who has? So when someone asks you, who gives you the right to praise the way you praise and pray the way you praise and worship the way you worship and live the way you live, tell them the one who saved me, the one who delivered me, the one who healed me, the one who filled me, the one who turned me around and set my feet on solid ground. He gives me the right to. 
The only one that has the right to tell you what you can or cannot carry is the one who saved you, delivered you, healed you, and set you free. Yeah. But it happened on the Sabbath. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? It happened when it wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah, that's, it happened when it wasn't supposed to happen. For the Lord of hosts has planned. In the right time, I will make it happen. I say, it means that God will do it when people say he's not supposed to do it. God will do it when hell says he's not supposed to do it. God will do it when your flesh says he's not supposed to do it. God will do it when your circumstances say he's not supposed to do it. God will do it when your past says he's not supposed to do it. My God will do it on the Sabbath. He'll do it in the midst of a storm. He'll do it in a fiery furnace. He is so good and powerful, just like he did with Lazarus. He'll do it even after it's been declared dead. He will do it. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. What God is going to do next will anger hell, upset the Pharisees, and give me a testimony that will change my life forevermore. You got five minutes. I'm going to tell you what drove me to share this. Put the visual up, please. Just real quick. Put the, the photo, the, the graphic. I, that's not self-serving. I know why I'm there. I was divinely appointed. God, it was a God thing. I'm a Latino kid from Pennsylvania in America. When I was 14 years old, someone came into my, my Assembly of God church, called me out by name and said, there's a Sammy here. And when God tells you when you're 14 that you're going to pray for presidents one day. And everyone else witnesses it. And then comes back the next year and says, I'm going to repeat the same word because last year you doubted me. So I'm going to say it again until you believe what I'm telling you. So I get this. So it's nothing of my own strength. Put the photo up for a second. I'm going to show you something. I'm Latino. I'm Hispanic. I wasn't supposed to pray for that inauguration. I'm not going to get into the minutia of what took place. But according to the, to, to the secular media, one of the phrases that emerged here to me right before I prayed was, Samuel, you're Latino. You're Hispanic. You're not supposed to be praying in this inauguration because of what was perceived. And what media did, I'm not going to get into the minutia of that and rhetoric and things that were said during the campaign. It says, how, how can you be there praying? It's not supposed to be a platform for your kind of people. It happened when it wasn't supposed to happen. I took the podium, I went up with fear and trembling, knowing that it was God-ordained, knowing that by the grace of God, I am what I am. I get that. I was there. When they first called me in December, they said, the president would like you to participate in swearing-in ceremony. What say you? I said, let me talk. I said, let me deliberate. I needed to talk to my executive committee. My executive committee is my wife and my three kids. 
My wife was there when God spoke to me explicitly and, and said, you have no choice, sunshine. You will pray. And I went, it's so divisive. The politics are so divisive. I don't want half my church. I don't even know who they voted for. I don't want to. I don't want to. And she said, just, you're doing it. Y'all don't know Latina women. When your wife tells you you're doing it in the Latino world, you're doing it. So I went up, came up, prayed. And at the end of my prayer, Matthew chapter 5, I read and prayed. I concluded with this. It was the first time in many, many. I was asked by a major magazine, how are you going to finish your prayer? I said, watch. Because for many years in America, for over a decade, a certain name wasn't mentioned from the inaugural podium. So when I finished, I finished like this. I said, respectfully, with all the presidents behind me, respectfully. I knew they, were, they informed us 1.1 billion people were watching around the world. So I know we had an audience. The Holy Spirit filled me and said, you were born for this moment. God even spoke to me and said, I ended your paralysis for this moment. This is it. Now go. So I finished. And I looked at the cameras with great due deference and I said, with respect, I make this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. You, you have no idea what that meant in America. CNN, Fox, MSNBC, all the major, BBC, everyone was there. Everyone heard it. And they asked, Reverend, and behind me, I kid you not, you heard the president say, Amen. You heard Congress say, Amen. You had people behind going, Amen. The audience said, Amen. Pastor Sam, were you trying to be confrontational? No. Were you trying to stir things up? Yes. With people? No. With whom? I'm, I'm one of those that believes that when I say the name of Jesus, every devil, demon, legion, principality, and power of darkness has to flee at the mention of that name because there is still power in the name of Jesus. Stand with me. You are standing. Let me pray. So this is my testimony. It happened when it wasn't supposed to happen. I was paralyzed. And that paralysis, that fear of what others would say, the pushback, the criticism, I was paralyzed. I've suffered bouts of paralysis throughout my journey. It's a self-confessional indeed. And with, but an authentic encounter with the living Christ finally brought an end and I saw my destiny unleash in its fullness so I'm here for every single person here let's do this the, the most important prayer we can make right here if you are here and your life has been paralyzed by sin by actions and deeds that you know run counter to God's purpose in your life if you have never ever 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 accepted the fullness of the work of Christ in your life and your life is paralyzed. You say, Mr. Preacher, man, I am stuck, but I heard this message. If that's you, I, when, I say, when I say the name of Jesus, right there where you're at, I want you to raise your hand. Now watch this. If you've never accepted Christ, if you've never embraced the fullness of the Lordship of Christ in your life, if you've known religion, but you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you're lost or you're paralyzed, Jesus ends paralysis. And I'm not, it's not limited. We can't suffer from theological myopia. It's not just the physical paralysis. That's beautiful when he does that. I'm speaking about spiritual The most egregious paralysis is the paralysis of the human soul. It's your destiny.
It's your salvation. So if that's you, everyone close your eyes for a second. If you're saying, Mr. Preacher Man, I need, I've been paralyzed by sin. And I can't be paralyzed anymore. If that's you, when I count to three and say the name of Jesus, raise your hand right there where you're at. If that's you, one, two, three, in the name of Jesus, raise your hand. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Everyone, right there, I see it, I see it, I see it. I see your hand. You say, I, I, I can't be, like, I need Jesus to bring an end to that paralysis right now. The vicarious, atoning, grace-filled work of Christ will bring an end to that paralysis right now. The paralysis of your destiny, of your future, of your life being eternal. One way, in heaven or in hell, it will be to heaven through the saving grace of Christ. He'll bring an end to paralysis right now. Everyone who raised their hand, if you raise your hand, come out of your seats right now. Join me right now. Come on up right now, quickly. 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 Come out from wherever you are. Come out. Come on. Come out right now. Come out. Come out. We'll wait for you. Come on. We'll wait for you. Come out right now. Quickly. Quickly. Come on. 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 Wherever you're at. Come on. Today is the day. Today is the day the Lord has made. Come on. Be saved today. Be delivered today. Be set free today. Today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. For he came to give you life and life abundantly. He loves you. 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 Come, 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 come. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, be set free, be set free, free from captivity, free from a life of sin, free, free from eternal condemnation, free from shame and guilt, free, free, free from perpetual failure, free, 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 John 8, 32, John 8, 36, free, free, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes. We'll wait for you. Come on. I'm gonna pass the baton to Pastor Ed. Pastor Ed, come here, please. Everyone else, we're gonna, Pastor Ed's gonna lead the prayer now. Everyone else, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to look up here. You are next. You are next to see an awakening and a move of God. You are next to experience an authentic, legitimate revival that will bring about a harvest like we've never seen before. You need to believe with me that you are next. 
And it'll happen when people say it's not supposed to happen. So get ready. Get ready. May the strength of the Father, the grace of the Son, the anointing of the Holy Spirit make this season a season of power and growth in the name of Jesus for the glory of Jesus. And together we're going to do one thing. We're going to change the world. God bless you and God keep you. Took off the time constraints. All right, this is this is all right. This is we can flow with this. Listen, we're, we're not we're not going to prolong the process here. Let's do this. Church, stretch out your hands right here, right here. Everyone here. Everyone here. Repeat after me. Say, Father, today I receive your gift of salvation through Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Resurrected from the dead, he is Lord and Savior. Today, the blood of Jesus washes me of all of my sins. Paralysis comes to an end right here, right now. I receive it. It is done by faith. I am a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Somebody give God a shout of praise. We're not going to prolong the process, but I, 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 it's a confirmation. I had something in my spirit that I wanted to see done, realize. This is important here. It's visions and dreams and destinies, faith and integrity that stand paralyzed by the things that we laid out previously. I need you to receive this with me. The moment you stand up and you pick up your mat, you can never go back to that place again. Never again. You bring things to closure. I want you to hear me. Do not crucify what God has resurrected. And do not resurrect what God has crucified. Get this. So here's what we're going to do. And then I'm going I'm to wrap up and pass it to Pastor Ed. This is real quick. And I sense there's an anointing, a grace of God here. If you would only understand. Oh, <laughs> uh, you ain't seen nothing yet in your life. Watch. We did this yesterday with the plow. You're going to do it as an illustration. But your children, I hear it for someone. By the time you get home, wherever there was paralysis, there will be life and mobility in action. Now, y'all, by the time you get home after this dream week, wherever there was darkness, there will be lights. <laughs> wherever there was paralysis, there will be mobility towards righteousness. You're going from you're going from overwhelmed to overflow by the power of God in your life. That's all we're gonna do. It's all, all we want to do is just, just going to illustrate it. When, when I, it's going to be a little bit weird, but just cater to me. When I say one, I want you to squat a little bit. Just squat. Because you can't lay out too many people. So one. When I, when I say two, I want you to boom, stand up. You're just showing everything around you. You're not paralyzing. 
When I say one, that's two. When I say three, I want you to pick up your mat. When I say four, take one or two steps right there and start walking. And you're never going back to that paralysis again. Simple. Tell your neighbor, give me some room. Tell him, I've been waiting for this. I've missed my turn so many times, I'm not missing this turn. No, no, no. Tell him, I can't miss. I've been waiting, I've been praying, hoping, fighting. I have battle scars, I have wounds. I can tell you, I've been waiting for this. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? So don't forget, one is this, and two is what? And three is what? And four is what? Start walking. Start walking in your calling, under your anointing. Start walking. Start walking. Live a holy, healed, healthy, happy, humble life and change the world. Ready? One. Work those calves, baby. Work them. Work them. Two. Three. Are you ready to start walking? I just don't want you to walk. I want you to walk with the kind of attitude the man said. The one who healed me gives me the right to praise the way I praise. One, two, three, four, start walking. Give God your shout of praise. Shout like your next. Praise like your next. Worship like your next. Celebrate like your next. Rejoice like your next.